Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy. The only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. I'll just nip this in the bud before we get started. I am not in mourning. That is not that is okay. not why I wore black today. Oh. For the show, it's slimming. <laughs> so there you go. That's, that's right. We don't want anybody thinking Sean's put weight on on election. <laughs> well, day. he has, and that's why I uh, went with this. So no, if you see me today at the polls, uh, it's not because I'm in mourning for the country. Now we had a plan to split this up to divide and mm-hmm, conquer. Mm-hmm, you were mm-hmm. going to go vote before the show, and I did, and uh, I'm going to go after. So that is still the plan. What did you observe at your polling place? How uh, how crazy were the lines? I know there was someone that I've talked to uh, already saying that when they voted at in the 7 o'clock hour, 7 a.m. this morning, that uh, there were already triple-digit ballots mm-hmm. that had been cast just at their polling place. Yeah, at my polling place, uh, I voted eh, uh, right around quarter to eight. Okay. And I was number 206, and it was full. And You're- there was a brief wait to, to, to get in, but there was a longer wait mm-hmm. as I was walking out. Oh, sure. You're building up the spectacle, and... Uh- if you if you have a window to vote at a time other than the traditional U.S. workforce lunch hour, I would advise doing that because I think polls are, are really going to be long around that noon hour. What I've seen, if you if you've taken the time to wake up and uh, check social media, uh, what I've seen so far are I, I've seen people post that uh, they got in and out in ten minutes and voted. Uh, these are people who were voting early. Uh, and by early, I mean early this morning, not <laughs> yes, yes. The, the, the previous days. And, and I saw pictures from the St. Louis area where there was a two-plus-hour wait. That's what I was going to mention is you and I both have friends, acquaintances, family in major urban areas. And their experience has been a lot different mm-hmm. than what is the typical spe- experience around the WTAD area. So it's been interesting to sort of exchange those texts and things. I waited in line for two hours to cast my ballot, and I felt harassed twice. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who's getting harassed. You know, there was a, one, of, one of them told me the, the line was so long that when they got in line, they were outside the demarcation uh, 100 feet or whatever it is for uh, trying to influence polling. So there were actually people there with, like, Clinton and Trump T-shirts on. No, no. Because they were far enough away from the polling place, oh, okay. the line was so long yeah. that they were like at the end of the, there was there was like a, a white paint mark where you can't campaign, and Certainly. the line was so long, it was beyond there. So people were trying to campaign at the end of the line. <laughs> so they, there was major different experiences. All right, I, I'm looking at a, a post right now from uh, the St. Charles area of Missouri that says surprisingly short wait. So, well, there you go. It, it just it I, I think it, it depends on where you are and when you hit it. Uh, I think you also got to kind of got to know the so essentially the, what your you're telling us 
is that life is all about timing. Uh, that, that's, there's, there's some truth to that. Especially I also, today. I also think you kind of got to know your, your neighbors. Are, they, uh, are, are the people who kind of live in, in your part of, you know, your, your, you know, you know when you go to vote who you see, who lives in your neighborhood. Are those early risers? They like to get out and get it done early? Or do they kind of ease into everything? And that means they'll be there lunchtime or, or after work. You know, speaking of after work, like there Sean. is a totally different topic that has to do with when you do things during the day that may be the next sign that the world is ending. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, we, we have actual Maybe election the best stuff to thing talk to about say on election day right now. So I'm not going to get into this. But let's just say when I read it over the weekend, I was a bit disturbed to find out that uh, I wholeheartedly uh, agreed with something that was written on Vox. So maybe we'll get to that before the end of the an show. An article today. that was written on, yes. or a comment? No, a, an entire article. Oh, oh. So yeah, that was that was uh, very interesting. We might be able to get to that before the end of the show today. Uh, the uh, battle for the White House, the battle for everything on your ballot, goes down today. And uh, while the lines might be long, might be short, it's what you do with your vote when you actually get the opportunity that is going to steer the direction of this country for the next X amount of months and years while those offices are held before we vote again. Let's start at the top, Quade. Of course, Battle for the White House has been hugely contentious. This is a day of, of toss-up states, of battleground states. Uh, both candidates were campaigning late into the night last night all over the map. If one thing, it certainly uh, burned up enough jet fuel that was on hand in this country as everyone was was whisking around the nation uh, trying to land in hot spots and do some last-minute yeah. campaigning. Uh, coming into this, I'm looking at the Real Clear Politics electoral map as far as their battleground states go. Uh, as of this morning, they are feeling like 203 electoral college votes lean or, or likely for Hillary Clinton, mm -hmm. and 164 lean or, or likely for Donald Trump. Okay, That gives us 171 in the toss-up column where we'll be watching very intently throughout the day today. Now, you've heard of a lot of these before. We've identified the, the big five or six as battleground states, Florida, Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Those are also the electoral uh, chunky Yes. Uh, states as well. Yeah, so that's why you, you hear them talk about those. Yeah, 16, 20, uh, North Carolina, 15, Georgia, 16. Although, see, they put Georgia in the toss-up column, and it is solidly Trump when you look at the, the, the like Iowa numbers there. Yeah, and if you look at the history of who's won Georgia, Georgia didn't go to Obama in either of his two elections. In fact, Romney won it by almost eight points in 2012, and McCain won it by over five in 2008. So to me, some of those stats fly in the face of the idea that Georgia is indeed a toss-up state. They have Iowa still listed as a toss-up as well. Mm. Now, on the other side of the ledger, they have some that are listed as toss-up that many feel are going to go to Hillary Clinton. And uh, right now, one of the interesting ones for my money on that is Colorado. Colorado went to Bush back in 2004, but since then has been firmly Democrat, with Obama winning by more than five points mm -hmm. on each of the last two. However, the polling numbers for this one are within the margin of error as they have Clinton at two. So I think Colorado 
is going to be a very interesting state to watch tonight. They've shown liberal leanings before. Well, they are the state that is considering the state version of single payer on the ballot today. So where their mindset comes out, if it is split, I think will be interesting. If you if they end up passing single payer and voting for Hillary and these kind of things, you can okay, they're moving a little bit more liberal. But if the ticket ends up splitting, I think it'll be interesting. Remember what we've learned about Colorado uh, through our uh, pal Dwayne Lester, mm-hmm. that Colorado was targeted by liberal groups to uh, manage the situation there, mm-hmm. to, 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 to nudge in a particular direction. And all, you, you saw Colorado all of a sudden go from a, a state that traditionally had been uh, red to all of a sudden it turning blue. Uh, and then you have Dwayne saying, well, now you have groups who are countering that and trying to uh, work Colorado back to a red direction. So uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with, with Colorado through the lens of it isn't just necessarily, you know, the temperature of the voter there. Mm-hmm. There are forces at work on either side who are who are actively uh at, at, at work trying to uh get a particular uh, outcome it isn't just hey let's have a vote and see where people are at how do you watch election night coverage do you like pop popcorn and sit down like no. it's a reality show that no. you're about to watch josh no. do you how, how do you do it do you like grab some eats like some pizza rolls you you seem like a pizza roll guy I, i'm more of a just stand back and see how this folds out I usually, I, uh, on election night, this is when I start becoming media critic. I'll start yelling at how oh, they okay. have stuff set up. Because usually on election night is when they try and roll out their new stuff. And a lot of times they don't know what they're doing with it. And it doesn't work exactly <laughs> the way they want. And this is when I start yelling like, at the TV. Like I said, right? it's, like, it's like, should we do anything? No, no. Let's, let's just well, stand back and see how this goes. You're on to something there because I know Fox... And I believe CNN both uh, are are like debuting at least new studios, mm-hmm. if not new technology for yeah. tonight. I'm not so sure about uh, MSNBC and, and and a couple others, but those big two I know are trying to to uh, show off some of the uh, money yes, that we spent. They, they know that this there is, is a, a lot of big night for viewers, yeah. right? So they want to dazzle, and and they're putting style over substance. And on a night like this, I, well, I would rather on. have substance. I don't know if you can just say that. Just because. What do you mean th- I can't say that? Ju- just because the studio looks good doesn't mean there won't be substance there. If I, they try to substitute I, style I, for substance, that doesn't say that that reporters can't do a good job just because it's a shiny new studio. I think they rely on the tech, and and they they want to they want to highlight that as opposed to getting to. Uh, the the issue at hand. And, and, and I'm going to take it back to the Brexit vote again. That was compelling viewing. And, and, and they had their stuff. Don't get me wrong. They had their little thing. But they didn't rely on it nearly as much as they did what was going on county to county uh, to county. I know it's a different, you know, circumstance. It's a much smaller area. You just, I get it. You just gave a couple of Londoners heart attacks for accusing them of being splashy. And stylish. That's not the subtle well, downplay droll. They British had way. some of that tech at work. 
but they didn't rely on it the way our media likes to go. Look it, at this. They used it to enhance, Zip. not to crutch. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're you're arguing for. Yeah, I can hear. I can almost hear the earpieces now going. Go to the go to the feature. Go to the feature. Go to the feature. <laughs> Use the stuff. I could. You could hear them Touch in their the earpieces. Yeah. Touch the big board. Big board. No, no. You're doing it wrong. No, 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 no. Back up. Try this again. Reset it. Here, let me do it for you. You can. <laughs> There are other, you know what I'm talking I about. I know exactly what you're talking about. There are other races up tonight. The Senate is very tight in a couple of key spots. And what do you remember or what can you not forget, no matter how hard you try, from this election cycle? We'll talk about that next. Quaid's going to fire up some tea and crumpets here on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. I know where he lives. He can walk home after too many beverages. From near the border of Adams County, but he can't get eight blocks to his polling place. I'm going to have to contact his Marine commander and tell him he's letting the core down. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Uh, it was in uh, not-so-hostile negotiations yesterday to expand our uh, post-election day coverage tomorrow. And uh, we'll, have the, uh, we'll have the millennial report with oh, us tomorrow as uh, AI returns to the show. I, I get a lot of requests for us to include her more. Well, somebody who's well-spoken, well-organized would probably help this show out a lot. <laughs> so Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Let's we'll, do that then. We'll talk with intern Addy tomorrow and get the uh, millennial kind of campus review of the election uh, as it goes down today. Other big races tonight. You have, of course, the race for the White House, but if... Republicans don't win that race. Control of the Senate now becomes increasingly important. Republicans right now have a 54-46 seat edge mm -hmm. in the Senate, and you have two independents. Well, independent in name. We have Rhino. We need something for independent in name only. Bernie Sanders and Angus King, both caucus with Democrats. So you see Republicans now defending 24 of the 34 seats that are up this cycle, these were won in the 2010 uh, sort of grassroots Tea Party election cycle where yeah. you had the sea change mm -hmm. in the Senate. Uh, Senator Kelly Ayotte in New Hampshire and Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania, Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, all states that are on a knife's edge on the presidential level. So how will they go on the, the next tier of federal offices when you have the Senate issue considered, uh, many poll watchers here consider that Republicans only really have one seat that they might be able to pick up from Democrats. They're going to have to play defense on the rest of them. That's in Nevada as uh, Joe Hack runs against uh, Catherine Cortez. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid, of course, is retiring. Yeah, uh, so you've got, you've got that race in Nevada with Heck being the Republican, the only seat 
that they could really seize. The rest of them, they're trying to keep. Sure, and it's, uh, what, in, in two years you have a, a lot of Democrat seats in the yes. Senate that are going to come up. Those terms for senators are six, six. years, yeah. but not everyone is up on the same cycle. They, they, mm-hmm. they sort of stagger those out so that you don't have a literal entirely new Senate coming in mm-hmm. uh, all at once. Um, Rob Portman and Marco Rubio. Rob Portman's in Ohio, Marco Rubio in Florida. The, the, the sort of feel here was that they were going to struggle. Rubio took time off to campaign for president, didn't win that, uh, but both now appear to be very safe uh, in their districts. And uh, Roy Blunt getting a lot of national ink. And it's not all necessarily good. You know, he's locked in with Jason Kander. I've seen this both ways. I, I saw one poll this morning that had Kander up one. I saw a poll that had Blunt up one. So I think it's just depending on sort of what you're looking at and, and how your polling is set up right now. Um, Blunt, though, it's pointed out, viewed as a, a kind of – this might be why he's not running away with this. He's viewed as a D.C. insider, and we've talked about this, in a state which has uniformly rejected – a lot of the federal level impositions. They had the show vote about Obamacare. You know, they've done other things on just the, the vote about uh, the Second Amendment. No, uh, look at Eric Greitens. The, the, the fact background. that Greitens is the nominee for, for, for governor lets you know that yep. there's a, hey, if you've been there a long time, we're not necessarily for that. So you've got that combined with Blunt's persnickety history of losing races he's believed that he should win and that many others have believed he should win. Uh, In 2006, uh, he was House Majority Whip and was poised to succeed uh, Tom DeLay when DeLay got into some legal trouble, but he then lost that race in an upset to John Boehner. So there is some fear that Blunt has a bit of a history of losing races that it's believed he should win. So we'll see how that plays out today. Mm, so we're going to work that. To, but, but Blunt has been touting his his experience in D.C. And again, you have to know... Yeah, you don't that, tout your insiderness. You count that, your experience. Right, but, but, the, the, but the temperature of the voting public in the state, that, that's not really the flavor uh, this election. So to hang on to that, I think, is maybe part of the reason why he's not... He's not doing better. That message of, hey, and it's a, don't get me wrong, it's a traditional message. Mm-hmm. Yep. But this has not been a traditional election Traditional cycle. politics year. Yeah, you're right. Well, today gets to combine two of my favorite things, Quaid. Uh, voting. Beer. Voting. And space news. Nobody's voting in space. You're wrong. You're Nobody wrong. Does, you're wrong. It's an absentee ballot. You're wrong. It was before somebody went to space. You're wrong. Astronaut <laughs> Shane Kimbrough is the only American classified right now as off-planet. <laughs> he has voted in the presidential election from the International Space Station. Uh, that's right. That's right. He arrived at the station uh, in mid-October, and uh, NASA set up a, uh, a a blind recording system so that he could uh, fill out his ballot from space uh, without having to reveal it to any of the mission operators. Okay. Voting. Whoever whoever promises space. to bring me home. Very cool. I will vote for. <laughs> Is that yeah. what you, you want to go to space just to vote from <laughs> space. Oh, why not? Why not?
That seemed to be exciting. Whatever excuse the moment is, Sean would like to go to space. I would. I would. If I, it's I, to I, go to space to vote, he's he's ready. If it's to go to space to have a beer, he's ready. Oh, I'm. you better believe I'm having a beer in space, space if I beer. ever get that. Sean's the guy. He wants the t-shirt. He will do all <laughs> That's of it. That's right. I might even brew the space beer. That's the next frontier. <laughs> See? Get it? So I, I hope I hope I'm young enough. That's what you'll call it. That next I frontier beer. beer. Yeah. That I hope I'm young enough that I live long enough in good health uh, to see pedestrian space travel. Yeah. See, here's how this is going to work. Because God loves irony. You're going to be the just day I die. You're going to be just yes. too old to enjoy. Uh, it. You'll be too infirm. I'll be too incontinent. To, to be, but 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 there'll be a younger generation who take it for granted, and you're going to be yelling at them. <laughs> Oh, I'm already get off my space station. <laughs> get off the launch pad. You don't even you don't even appreciate it. Get off my space grass. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, however it goes down, this has been a a wild, wild election run. Um, what are some of the things that stick out in your mind from this cycle? <sighs> it, it, it has been either things you'll remember or things you won't be able to forget. I think the the whole Trump phenomenon, and and, and I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to take, and I'm going to share something here uh, with the listeners. And I'm this is going back mm, almost a year and a half. Uh, Darren LaHood, and this is before he won the special election, mm-hmm. uh, pulled me aside. It was kind of at the beginning of the whole uh, Republican presidential nominee process. He goes, who do you like? I go, there's a lot of good people to like. I said, but the thing that's fascinating me is how everybody's focused on Trump. And I said, and there's a, there's a different vibe about it. I said, I'm not necessarily, you know, saying that I'm for what he's, uh, you know, promoting right now. I said, but I'm fascinated at how it's going because they're throwing everything at him. And I can't figure out why they just are, you know, dismissing him. They're throwing everything at him and he's just shrugging it off. Mm -hmm. And, that fascination has continued through the primary process, and I don't know that other people have looked at it that way. I, I've kind of looked at it voyeuristically for a lot of it, but I, it it continues. I think when when the when history is written about this, it's going to be this this anomaly thing. Hopefully, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Is this the beginning of of how politics will be moving forward? Mm-hmm. You hope for a little bit more civility uh, in in running for office moving forward. You hope that you don't go down the idiocracy, you know, hole. Uh, but it's the 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 Trump phenomenon. I think is going to be written about and a lot in years to come, win or lose. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, the one that I can't decide on is remember at the GOP convention when Ted Cruz invoked vote your conscience Mm -hmm. and didn't uh, get behind Donald Trump? Is that going, how is that verb going to be utilized in the future? Are you going to cruise someone or are you going to be cruised? Oh, so you're you're coming up with a whole thing there. Yeah, okay. I, I think that lives on. So I think that will be the vernacular, the the, the shorthand, the inside political uh, language for not supporting the candidate that your party has picked or not supporting someone's platform because Cruz never endorsed Trump there. He said, vote your conscience. 
and sort of left him hanging. Meanwhile, you had the Democrats. It was really jarring because as badly as things went in the Democratic primary, they were at least publicly making up. This is something that in this cycle of modern elections, the Democrats have always done better. And that is even if they loathe each other, they put on the we're together, this is bigger than us face, and that keeps their base a lot more together and, and keeps it from fracturing as quickly and as deeply, I think. But did, but did it? I mean, where they were together was uh, at the DNC. And mm-hmm. really, the DNC wasn't necessarily... They, the DNC was together for Hillary. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, you're, if you're arguing that, that, that they had that face... They did have that face on, but behind the scenes was... Right, was, right. Was but not, they, and, and as far as the people the went, face. uh-uh. Right. Well, we have access now that we didn't used to have. And so you're going to have to go deeper than just having that public face. But it was interesting to me the contrast uh, that you had going on. So will you cruise someone or will you be cruised? I think that's uh, what kind of stays with the uh, political crowd from here on out. And then uh, the, the, the Debbie Wasserman Schultz stepped down during the cycle. That the, I know that's kind of inside the political weeds, but, but that, you know, that just kind of stuck out to me. There are things that, ha- that we have learned as the American public and his voters this election cycle that uh, b- b- really because of WikiLeaks that I think people weren't yeah. counting on us. Uh, so I think about how different the conversation would be without this information being released to us, without, without us being able to find is, out. Yeah, is this the WikiLeaks election? I, I would tell you that it's probably that more than a lot of things. I think that that has been a bigger story because it's almost, I won't say daily, but almost weekly mm-hmm. there's been, Hey, and Hey, how about this? And, and, and I think the moving forward, it's okay. How, how, how does the DNC prevent something from like that from happening uh, in the future? Not that I'm saying what, what they did was okay. You know, vis-a-vis, you know, Bernie and, and Hillary within uh, their own party. But how do you, how do you keep, Control, I think, will be what is already being worked on behind the scenes. Very interesting how all those overarching stories are going to play out today. What is it going to look like in Illinois? We'll talk with Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, about that coming up next on The Morning Meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. See, that is a between-the-segment segment that uh, I think that would was be popular. That, yeah. that's, uh, that's right. Just uh, Ben, we were just imagining a little satire that we could put together for tomorrow to begin the race for the White House 2020 uh, after the after the election goes down tonight. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning on the morning meeting. So, Ben, how do you think this shakes out in Illinois today at the polls? Everyone keeping that very close eye on uh, Duckworth and Kirk, as uh, Illinois has seemed to be in the bag for Hillary Clinton on the federal level for quite some time. This is a Democratic year. Illinois has a Democratic map. Uh, the, the suburbs of Chicago turn blue during these kinds of elections. I think that there are going to be a handful of downstate state lawmakers 
who may not be going back, but I think that uh, this is uh, this is a year why you know when 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 Illinois is at its most Democrat is when there is a Democrat at the top of the ticket, and if you look in the, the suburbs, there are a lot of Democratic women at the top of the ticket, and it just is it, it seems to be the perfect storm for the, the state to get drugged by the collar counties towards a, uh, a Hillary Clinton presidency and a Tammy Duckworth term in the U.S. Senate. Ben Yant with us this morning on the morning meeting. All right, so tomorrow, the posturing towards the full budget uh, will begin. Does it happen publicly, or will we meet clandestinely uh, tomorrow after the election's over? Or, or are they going to just, you know, have election hangover and, and say, well, we'll get, we'll get after it after Thanksgiving? What we need to see is we need to see how many seats Mike Madigan loses. He's, he's going to lose one that seat in the suburbs where Jack Franks, the, the former Democratic lawmaker mm-hmm. who always voted like a Republican, but Franks was still a Democrat, at least on paper, gave Madigan a veto-proof majority in the House. Uh, Democrats in the Senate are, are, are a little bit better of a situation. Jill Tracy's going to win John Sullivan's seat because they just didn't bother to put anybody in that race. So you're already seeing at least two seats change. Now, do do any of the other seats change? The big race, the race that needs to to be circled in bright red marker is the the Southern Illinois races. Uh, Gary Forby, long time, long time Democrat in what is essentially northern Kentucky, and John Bradley, who is Mike Madigan's budget lieutenant, both of them down there, Marion area, and that is an area that is going to go Donald Trump like you wouldn't believe. But the question is, will you have voters split their ticket. The, the, the thing, the only question we don't know right now that is going to determine what happens with the budget battle is how many seats does Mike Madigan keep or lose? Who, who comes out of this election a little bit stronger, Madigan or Governor Rounder? Now, don't kid yourself. We're not getting anything. We're not getting jack till January of 19. Batten down the hatches, Go buy the dried soup and, and the, the water purifier. The state of Illinois is going into survival mode. Nothing will happen this year. I mean, we may see a, a shot at, at a couple of you know, ancillary issues, but nothing happens in the Capitol until after 2018. And I know that it, everyone is so sick and tired of talking about the election. I curse myself for saying these words this morning. But if you think this was an expensive or ugly race in Illinois. I mean, again, we, we didn't see, we, we got some attack ads, but, you know, you're there in the Missouri TV market. You saw some of those attack ads for governor, for, for you know, lieutenant governor, all of that stuff. This is nothing in Illinois. 2016 is nothing in Illinois compared to what we are going to see in 2018. That is, this is all prelude. This is all prologue. This is all, you know, a, a test, the first round of the fight between Madigan and Rauner. And it only gets worse from here. So any hope of a state budget, tuck it away in a hope chest because it's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. January of 2019, maybe. Ben Yant with us. Well, Governor Rauner changed the money paradigm all by himself this election cycle. I can't imagine that that sits well with Dems. if you're Governor Rauner and you know you're kind of t- going to turtle up for the next couple of years, how does that look as far as you getting reelected? I mean, how do you make a case for turtling up? 
Well, the, the, the case is, look at Mike Madigan. I mean, it, it, it's the same case you saw, the exact same attacks that you saw that Bruce Rauner is extreme and Bruce Rauner wants to do X, Y, and Z. And the counter is Mike Madigan's been in office for 30 years. And Mike Madigan has overseen the downfall of the state of Illinois. And taxes are too high. It's the exact same narrative. You know, they don't really need to do anything in Springfield to further this war. But, I mean, we've said this, we've said this war two years now. that This is a battle for the heart and the soul of the state of Illinois. You are either going to have a state that looks like what Bruce Rauner wants, that, that is, has a bit better of an economic climate, that's a bit friendlier to business, that understands that the way that things have gone we can't continue to do that, or we're going to have a state that Mike Madigan wants, where nothing changes. The status quo is what it is. It is a government for the government, of the government, by the government, as opposed to a government of people, by the people, for the people. Uh, you know, the, the, the battle lines are drawn, and, and nothing happens in between now and then. If you saw some of the nasty ads, and I don't know what the, what the races were like there in Quincy. They weren't really bad here because, again, most of the that the folks that are on my ballot are, are unopposed. But down in southern Illinois, in some of these, these collar county areas, you, you had mailers showing up at voters' houses saying, Representative so-and-so voted to put sex criminals in your park next to your kid. I mean, just all of these hyperbolic scare tactics because of a tiny little misinterpretation of a vote on a budget bill. Not voting on anything for the next two years actually helps all of these people and just allows them to double down on, on the narrative. Turtling up is not the problem. I mean, the reality of the state of Illinois is the problem. But, yeah, this is, this is the, the first round of who's going to be more powerful. All of these fights are a proxy war. And, and Republicans, and this, is, this is something that we talked about on my show, that Republicans need to win, lose, or draw, get down on their knees and thank God for Bruce Rauner today, because without the governor, without the governor, we wouldn't be talking about the, the, the Republicans picking up a seat or two. We would be talking about now triple veto-proof majorities by Democrats in the Illinois legislature. The, the Bruce Rauner is a game-changer, and he is the only thing that has stopped Illinois from going even deeper blue I and mean, taking actual Republican seats simply because it's a Democratic map and a Democratic year. So just Republicans win, lose, or draw, uh, regardless of what happens with Trump, you have to be thanking the governor today for not making it worse. Yeah, we've really been spared the bulk of the onslaught as far as the uh, really heinous ads. Uh, Jill Tracy running unopposed. We're getting some spillover from the Missouri media market and countywide. Just Sheriff who's up in Adams County. Mm -hmm. So we really haven't had those uh, all-out bloodbath-type campaigns that have been perpetrated on us here in uh, west-central Illinois. You mentioned the map. Ben Yount with us this morning on the morning meeting. This is the Madigan map there was a there was a large portion of the uh, the Mike Madigan documentary that was done by Illinois policy that was talking about the, the the process and the power that this map really represents and and gives to the Democratic Party and Madigan with the map looking the way it does what's a victory for Republicans tonight or at least for Governor Rauner if he picks up any seats at all? Does he have to pick up four? Is is a number like six or seven even possible? And because the map is so well drawn for Madigan, what's the loss look like? Do they all have to go to Madigan? Just I, help us with a framework to understand the context of a win or a loss. 
if if the Republicans pick up the, the John Sullivan seat, the Western Illinois seat, which they're going to, mm-hmm. and if they pick up the Jack Franks seat, which is that sort of West Suburban Lake County area, which they should, then that'll be enough. Plus two seats and hold everywhere else. That is a Republican victory. That's a minor defeat for Madigan, but it's not. You know, it, it's it's losing by a field goal. It, it, it's not a blowout. It's it's a loss because he again Democrats lose the seats, but it is not a defeat. The, the, the Democratic victory has to be to to take a Republican seat or hold all of their vulnerable state reps at a time when you could see a huge Trump push in parts of the state. Republicans, it's, it's a little easier. They're going to get two, but if they can get two more, if they can get Bradley and Forbes, if they can get some of these, these vulnerable state reps in the Quad Cities, there are, there are so many places where the Republicans are in play so they can take a shot at weaker candidates. The, the, the Democrats are—they're still going to control the legislature. I, I really think that, that Mike Madigan would be sad to lose Southern Illinois, because like the rest of downstate Illinois, once Southern Illinois goes Republican, it's not going back. The only reason that they are Democrats down in Carbondale, Marion, Murfreesboro—they're old FDR coal mine Democrats. Once they flip to Republican. They will never flip back. So a, a win for Republicans, they're going to get two seats. They should get the two seats. That would be enough if they hold. A win for Democrats would be to hold all of their other vulnerable seats. Uh, you know, a, a, a stunning victory for the Republicans is to pick up two, two Southern Illinois seats and one seat in the Quad Cities. A stunning victory for the Democrats would be to knock off some of these ex-herb Republicans. Uh, I, you know, I always tend to vote for, for status quo and no action. I think that uh, the Republicans are going to get one of those southern Illinois seats, and I think that the Democrats will hold the map. But again, this isn't so much about changing the numbers as it is who's got the juice, who's got the power, who's got one up. You know, this is Ali Frazier, fight one. We're going to have to go to the rumble in, in the jungle, the thriller in Manila. We're going to have to take this. This is the world championship of each other. Mike Madigan, Bruce Rauner, round one. We will see this fought again in 2018. So, yeah, this is the, the Republican victory is to pick up something. Uh, the, the Democratic victory is to limit it to just two lost seats in Springfield. We were talking about the, uh, the, the Rauner's money earlier. How does Madigan try to cobble together something to at least match Rauner's money moving forward? Oh, the unions. The, the, the unions and the trial lawyers. Again, the, the people who fund the, the Democratic Party, and whether you are at, at the local level or, or at the state level or at the national level, it comes from organized labor and, and trial lawyers and the people who have an investment in either big government or the status quo. And oftentimes that's the same. I mean, for God's sakes, the teachers' union, the, the, the Illinois Federation of Teachers or the Illinois Education Association, one of them, uh, Two years ago, when, when Bruce Rauner won, they spent the second most money in the state of Illinois on that election. The only person to spend more money was Bruce Rauner, and, and he's damn near a, a, a billionaire. Mike Madigan's entire structure is taking money from organized labor, taking money from the trial lawyers, 
taking money from people who have an investment in both the status quo, the way things are in Illinois, and big government. And that's, you know, as, as somebody who's a conservative, that scares me to death because, you know, again, they're not, they're not funding Democratic candidates to simply advocate for a cause. They are funding Democratic candidates to maintain the status quo. And we talk about it all the time. We could spend hours sitting here. We, we don't have a government of the, of the people, by the people, for the people. The, the, the status quo in Illinois has enriched public sector unions at the expense of sick grandmas and single moms and school kids. And we could go on and on and on down this list of horribles. Uh, but that's, that's where Mike Madigan comes from. And this is, this is one of the things that, aside from the specifics of Illinois, really just frustrates conservatives. When Mike Madigan raises just as many hundreds of millions of dollars, but he does it from the Teamsters or the Teachers or AFSCME or SEIU, or the guys down in Madison County making truckloads of cash filing asbestos lawsuits, that's fine. But if Bruce Rauner writes his own check, or if Ken Griffin, another rich billionaire in the state, or if, if you have a business interest who simply says, hey, listen, Illinois is a terrible business climate, then all of a sudden there are these cries, these shrieks, these wails, these moans for campaign finance reform. There, there is big money in the system. This is going to be a $60 million election, and we're not electing any of the statewide constitutional officers. You know, the, the, the comptroller's race. The comptroller's race is an $11 million race this year that has no real power other than to pay the bills. If it's going to cost $11 million to hire a perfunctory, what's it going to cost to, to elect a governor? There, there's going to be big money in the system. Get used to it, but don't think that one candidate's money is somehow worse than the other. Uh, and, and if you do, open your eyes to see what people are doing. At least the governor's trying to change the system. The, the teachers and the unions, they're paying to keep the system the exact same. And I don't know about you, last poll I saw, most people in the state don't think this state is doing too well. Ben Yount, Illinois Watchdog, with us this morning. Ben, just about 30 seconds left. Maybe, maybe your biggest contribution today. You got any advice for Election Day eats? Because I know you like your exotic food. I would keep it finger food. I would keep it light. Uh, I'm thinking nachos or a chip. This is the perfect night for pizza. Stay away from things that are going to dirty up the kitchen. This is not the night for a taco bar. Nachos, yes, but taco bar, no. And just this is not the night for barbecue. Too many, too many having to touch the different devices. You don't want to have to be licking the bone sauce off your fingers all night. I'd stay away from barbecue. Again, this is perfect for pizza. Maybe Chinese, though. Go, go, go a little bit outside the box. All right. Well, that's delivered in a box usually, so that would be the definition <laughs> of in the box. Ben Yout, Illinois Watchdog with us. Thank you, Ben. Have fun at the polls on the show. We'll talk to you again next week. We'll wrap it up next on The Morning Meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. That's it. Producer Josh is yelling at me. Go vote. We'll wrap it up tomorrow. Morning meeting adjourned. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.